You're listening to Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters 7 at 7 Stylist of Influence interview with the amazing Jenny Crawford of Kasumi Hair Salon. Hi everybody out there and in the world of Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters and welcome to another episode episode of Stylist of Influence and tonight's guest is somebody it sounds like I know everybody for years and years, but it probably happens when you become a grey-haired old hairdresser that you end up knowing loads of people within the industry because you just love it so much. And tonight's guest seriously is somebody that, as a young apprentice hairdresser, I, I knew of and heard of and couldn't wait to meet. And then, I think it was through Michael Leon and in Rainbows, I got to got to meet Jenny for the first time. Anybody can remember Rainbow's Bar. It was one of the first biggest disco bars in Ireland. I met Jenny, and tonight's guest is Jenny Crawford of Kasumi Hair in Molesworth Street. How are you, Jenny? How are you? How's it going, Greg? Good, good, good. Let me talk Great a little bit about Jenny, okay? And and some of the awards you've achieved, some of your prestigious awards you've won in your amazing career. You've been two-time L'Oreal Colour Trophy winner. Okay, one time L'Oreal Colour Trophy Image Award, twice winner of the IHF Cut and Colour, an IHF All-Star Award, which isn't hard, isn't easy to get, an IHF Photographic Award, the Best of the Best Editorial Winner, the Best of the Best Image Award, International Alternative Hair Show Image Award, and Best of the Best Lifetime Achievement Award. But when they say lifetime, there's still a lot of life in this girl. And I know sure. it. So she got the award, but there's still a lot of living. There could be another one out there yet. There's another life. <laughs> so let me tell you a little bit about a little bit about Jenny's career, and then we'll get into the questions. Jenny started a hairdressing career in 1978, working for the prestigious Peter Mark Salon Group. She opened her own salon after a while, Ebony and Ivory, and that's when I heard of you. You know what I mean? And and you know, everybody was always buzzing out this creative talent and this genius with his scissors. And that's what way people spoke of you. You know, for two and a half years, you ran your own business before returning to Peter Mark and joining the artistic team, which was led by the infamous, famous the Gary Kavanagh, the one and only, before moving to Pizzazz, but then finding her hair home with fellow passionate industry creative Mark McCauley at Kasumi Hair, and has been a big part of the team there for the past 26 years. With a much varied career from salon work, which she continues to do daily, and loves and respects her loyal salon guests. Fashion work, shoots, shows for international and local designers have been a personal pleasure, along with her TV and film work. Jenny has been a key educator for several product companies, uh, salons as well throughout Ireland, UK and Paris has been a judge on many a competition floor, and I know how strict she is because I've seen her in action, and <laughs> photographic competitions, which I haven't because they're always held behind closed doors. Uh, Jenny describes herself, and I love this, as an all-time hair adventurer and always happiest when pushing her creative ability. So, Jenny, the stage Thank is yours. I finally have you here. Thank um, you. Thank you. And a true stylist of influence you are. You know, because as many when I, when young... I hear it all like that, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm a bit over, you know, kind of, oh, wow, I've actually done that now. <laughs> what next? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. look, it, 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 when you read out something like that, you know the person is a grafter and you know that it isn't, the book doesn't stop there. It, it carries on. 
it's, uh, an, end- it's an endless book till eventually we're, we're laid to rest. <laughs> That's it. Well, there was, you know what? There's one person in my life from years ago was a, a hairdresser called Ali Sahan. And I went to work with him and Peter Marks when they had an exclusive salon in the Fifth Avenue Arcade. And uh, Ali said to me, don't be a one trick pony. And I always remember taking that in. He said, learn everything. And at that time, I had learned an awful lot what I felt. But it was kind of one of those things is don't stop yourself. Learn all the different assets of it. And then once you've learned them, then you can eliminate what makes it work for you and then concentrate on that. But never don't do them. Just always remember, like, you know, do it all as much as you can. Well, before we ask you the first question, let's just if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see some of the amazing imagery behind me. That's all Jenny's work. And I couldn't fit anymore, but there's a lot more there. To, well, there's also a lovely picture in the middle here of a, the young Jenny. You're in the to me, it's the bottom right, but it could be to you as it's the bottom left. And that's you yeah, there, the and that's the team I think you had at Ebony and Ivory. And there's well, also a good friend of mine, Karen Wolf, Karen there with Karen Kinsley, who was also um, one of my wife's best friends and still a great friend of ours today, and her husband was my best man. Oh, so, Karen, if you're ever watching this, there you are with your eyes closed in the picture. I'm sure there was a couple of drinks involved there. I see Karen did send me that photograph because when I opened my salon, I had an opening because it was called Ebony and Ivory. I had an opening, and it was a black and white party in... Uh, um, Lord John's nightclub in oh. Dublin. And oh, uh, so we all wore black and white. And then they took a photo of that was like a couple of the models that we'd done hair on, and then my friends and just people we used to all hang out with. And um, so when she said great that, picture it brought back so many memories. I actually, when you sent me that last night, I, I was putting together a bit of IKEA furniture, and you know, I ended up listening to. I don't know whether the picture it was modern romance. You remember that band that would done that stuff? And I think yeah. that picture would have been around probably around that time. I would have imagined. You Absolutely, know? but like we kind of do look kind of a bit like a band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, band and yeah. crew. So let's yeah. lead into your first question, Jenny. Why did you choose hairdressing as a career? Well. I'd say my fascination for hairdressing started when I was very young, right? going to the hairdressing salon with my mum. And she always went on a Saturday to this woman's uh, salon called Lila O'Brien in Eastwall. And um, I was just fascinated by the rollers, the colour books with all the little swatches of hair and stuff like that. And eventually Lila gave me my first job, as in I would make sure that all the rollers were all put in properly into the trolleys, I was there, I would be helping out with the perm rollers and stuff like that. And then she'd give me either a Kit Kat or uh, some chocolate fingers as my pay. So <laughs> I looked forward to that. And from that, it was kind of like fascinated by that. And then, of course, my amazing cousin, Dolores McAvoy, um, happened to be an educator with Peter Mark and trained in Peter Mark. And we all were, became her house models. So all my cousins, because we came from a big family, uh, so we would all go in for the classes and stuff like that. And I was just absolutely fascinated with this and asked Dolores if she could get me a job at some stage. And I've always told this story to people. When Dolores said to me, I'll get you an interview, you get the job. So she got me an interview and I went into Peter Marks in North Earl Street uh, to Philip. And uh, yeah, I got myself the job at the 
slightly younger age than I should have been, but I was kind of like 14, just got on 15. I wasn't very good at school, but, and I wanted to do something. And my mother had said, if you get a job, you can leave. So I got the job and well, I'm here. When you say you weren't really good at school, I don't, I, sometimes I think we, we take away our own ability there by saying that. And I think it's just the school didn't suit you. The subjects, well, it, the, the, um, that academic, that linear way for a creative mind was very wrong. Yeah. I think it might've changed a little now, even listening. Yeah, I think, I think it was like my thing of nuns, which was a, you know, I had a thing about them and, um, and that kind of discipline. But I have to tell you, I, in the meantime, I was training in karate from when I was nine. And uh, so I was used to a discipline yeah. and I was used to practice. And I think I always say this as well is by doing the practice. And as I was grading in my grades in karate, um, it went kind of hand in hand when I came into hairdressing because it allowed me to have the discipline about you have to practice, you have to go to classes, yet to have to achieve. So while I was achieving my my belts all along the way, I was achieving my hairdressing. So it coincided within the year of me becoming a stylist, I got my first black belt. Ah, so good. it was kind of like, so I was actually, I was very disciplined on, you have to do it. Yeah, and yeah. It was a focus. So I think because I knew I was kind of good at the karate part of it, and I just thought I'd be better there. Whereas when with school, it was like, you know, I had a problem with kind of writing and I had a problem with just a few bits. Of, they were all in my own head, I'm sure. I did get an amazing nun at one stage for two years and she really helped me. And I, I'll never forget her. Like she was the last two years of primary school and she got me to the stage of getting to secondary school. And her name was Sister Loop. Um, and she was a really creative soul. She'd done everything through music and art. And uh, we were just fascinated by her. She came from New Zealand uh, after being in the missions there. And so she taught us to uh, marry songs and dance and, and to paint. And I think she kind of awakened. The creative. The creative yeah. there. So, so that, yeah, so that was good. Like That was your start. So yeah. linking in with the karate then would have taught you to set, you know, obviously certain kicks and you can't get it once and you went, you have to keep going. You don't just give up. What yeah. would you have found your toughest challenge when learning the craft of hairdressing? To be honest, it wasn't really what I was learning in that. The toughest, the toughest part actually was uh, when I started to shampoo hair, standing over someone who is a stranger to you, shampooing their hair. And looking at them down there or looking at them from behind and them talking to you and not knowing what to say was that was the biggest challenge because we have to start from the beginning of everything, you know. And I always remember it because it was either either it was a time when people smoked. We didn't smoke in our house and smell of smoke. And then you had the, you know, the dirty hair because people didn't wash their hair as much before. There was a lot of combinations of that. There are things that stuck in my mind always was that. Okay. Yeah. And then from that, it was like, I used to go, like, how do you talk to the people? You know, because they'd always talking to you because this is their day out. Um, and this was where my dad stepped in. He was really helpful. He kind of said to me, buy a newspaper in the morning when you're going to work. Read it on the, when you're going to work and then pick out things to talk to them about. So I used to go up, buy a little tabloid, the sun. <laughs> Just don't mention that, Mark will kill you. I know, I know. 
Sorry, Mark. No, but it was like a tabloid, whatever it was, right? And then I take little things from it. And then I started to talk. So that actually helped me become um, more people, you know, um, yeah, yeah. friendly in that way. More broad and so what you felt you talent. could talk about. Yeah. So everything else then was you had to learn it. Like, like karate, you had to learn. So my mind was open. People teach it as as Dolores was saying. Dolores worked in an, in another salon beside me, so I was in Hair and Beauty. She was in Casanovas, and I used to do classes in mine. And then I used to go in and ask her, "Can I do her classes?" And I begged her, and then she eventually gave in. So I used to do two classes in Hair, and then one in Casanova. So it, I, I was getting there quicker, you know. So by the time that's what I'm saying, by the time the opportunity came to go to Fifth Avenue, I had to go for an interview there. And because they were going to do something a little bit more exclusive in Peter Mark. And I was determined I was getting that. So I kind of made sure I'd done all the extra. And I did. And you got there. And that's where I met the amazing Michael Leon. Yeah, yeah. And someday yeah. I'll have him on here and that you can guarantee that. Oh, my God, yeah. Because yeah. Michael was such an inspiration to us all back then, you know. But I'll tell you something, right? I've got to... I, to be honest, Michael was younger than me and he didn't really speak very much English and he was only starting hairdressing himself. And uh, we built a great relationship. And um, so we kind of went side by side as things were happening. And uh, even at some stage, like he used to come to my house for Christmas and, you know, come and stay with us. And we had great fun. Like, you know, so I built a great relationship with him. And then because we then were in the same we were um, being taught the same things at the same time. We were starting to create together. So all of a sudden, then we started to put like ideas for shows together and stuff like that. Uh, so then by the time Gary took us under his wing, you know, um, and taught us more stuff, it was like, yes. And, and, and we became a great unit, you know. And I, I actually think when I think back to some of some of the some of the really greatest shows I seen going back to Young Hairdresser was that group you michael gary you know what i mean for for, for for peter mark and it was just even when we went to and there was lots of salons putting on that show was always like a game changer it was amazing you know what i mean uh, yeah it was like gary was like gary would have us you know i have a story of like myself and michael making those um uh, swatches for gary of hair that he would coil and make shapes out of right but we had to actually sit downstairs one day with a tray of um like setting lotion and preparing the hair pieces and whatever. And at one stage, me and Michael were just in hysterics laugh and not knowing, but we were kind of high on the fumes of everything. <laughs> we, we were making these pieces and we were absolutely, and then we just had to bake them in the oven and stuff like this. So they were like, things like that were just, it was an amazing thing to do. So he 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 started us opening up our minds to um, how to go about things rather than just everyday hair, you know? And if you go back to, you know, that was really interesting what you said there about the 14-year-old at the basins. And we take it yeah. now that young people don't come into the industry until they're at least 18. And at some stages, it could be in the 20s. So that yeah. challenge, maybe, or maybe we take it that it's not there. But probably because with COVID and all that, there's a generation that haven't had that close contact with strangers the way even yeah. then we did, but you were only 14. So the age thing. So if you were to go back to, the young Jenny. It doesn't have to be the young Jenny of 14. It could be the young Jenny uh, Ebony and Ivory. It could be the young Jenny and Peter Mark. What advice would you tell Jenny? 
don't rush it because it's a long journey. It's like, take your time. Yeah. It's kind of, that's where I look at it. I say that to some people now because I look at things of, you know, that I kind of tripped up along the way and things that I kind of, and I was in so much of a hurry to get. Now I got to those places, but I think if I was to talk about it now, I'd say, take your time. Take your time because I think the, the perception at the moment is young hairdressers coming in. They think that, you know, they'll come in, they'll do this. And all of a sudden they'll have a clientele and they'll earn lots of money. Like the, the, the perception for us then wasn't, it was like we were learning a, a, a trade. Uh, it was a profession. It wasn't just a job, you know? And I think, um, and the whole thing, we were very hungry. Like we were like, I'm from a family. I'm the eldest of five siblings um, uh, and my parents, we were living in a two bedroom house. And, you know, I was one person that was the first person to go out and to help provide with my family, you know? Um, and I think, and then we all learned that, like, that's what we had to do. We all kind of, um, you know, third level education wasn't the, the biggest step. It was all mm. about, uh, you know, the manual. And even when, my my own sister, uh, the real Jenny Crawford. Um, That's right. Yeah, you can elaborate yeah, on that. That you're not a real Jenny. You're a I'm hair Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> I'm a hair Jenny. Um, she put herself through college. She put herself through art college herself by working an extra job and and doing that because the money wasn't there for that. So I think um, some people coming in now they go. Um, they don't have as much of that, um, uh, what would you say, uh, financial um, difficulties. Yeah, yeah. You know, their parents have worked very, very hard for what they have so that they can give more to their children these days. Um, you know, a lot of them do, thankfully, instill, you know, I mean, the ability to, for them to go and earn their own money. But they wouldn't be as stuck. No, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm generalizing too much, but as we were. If you understand. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. So what I say to them is, you know what, like kind of uh, you're doing okay. That would be another thing is like, you know, and it's and it's uh, it's okay to make mistakes. I like, used to call well, Can we go in a little bit then on the ebony and ivory journey? That when you've oh, dipped yeah. your toe into being a salon owner, what would you tell that Jenny now? Oh, <laughs> you know what, that was... Um, some, okay, put it this way, right? That was a, that was through the help of a client, a client who I was winning awards at the time in Peter Mark and stuff like that. And I was really enjoying it. And this client kept saying to me all the time, you know what, you should have your own, you should, uh, and whatever. Like, and at 19, my parents would never have been able to afford a salon, okay? And there, it wouldn't have been just an option to take on kind of doing that. And I knew that. But all of a sudden I had this client and it was kind of like, wow, I could actually do this. And um, so with them, I went in and uh, her husband financed me to get the actual place up and running um, and the partnership end of it, because obviously financially uh, I didn't have money, but I had uh, I had what to give was the essence of to make a good salon. And um, so I went into it going, wow, this is amazing. And then as I got into it, I realized, oh, hold on a minute. I want to be a hairdresser. I don't want to be a salon owner. I'm wondering about, you know, who's going to pay her and what bill is going to be paid and then having to talk to the partner and he wanted more. And then he wanted me to train his wife in. 
So it was that she could, and I was like, going, oh, hold on a minute, right? So it was obviously the wife's passion to be a hairdresser. Yeah, and I yeah. got that. And she wasn't an old woman. Like today, I'd say, brilliant, whatever age, if you want to learn, you know, at the time it was kind of like, oh, hold on a minute, you know, uh, I can't do this. And I found it that I was actually feeling down. I was actually feeling low. And and I had great people around me. Uh, but I just... Like I wasn't waking up like I do still today, wanting to go to work. I was waking up frightened of what was going to happen. And then we got broken in a few times, got held up one night by four guys in balaclavas. And so there was an awful lot of elements. Yeah. Where all of a sudden I was like going, oh, my God, OK, I have to do something. And I remember, again, talking to my cousin Dolores, who's been my mentor through my life and my career. And I said, you know what to do? And she said go and talk to Frank. And it's kind of one of those things of, you know, go talk to Frank O'Keefe, tell him, you know, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And he, Frank said, okay, you, you know, you want to come back? So it was kind of basically that. So the young person, would I tell her not to do it? I don't think I'd tell her not to do it. Um, I'd say, take a chance and see, but then go with your heart, you know? Yeah. Everybody yeah. has a chance, you know? So that's yeah, that's yeah. No, no, don't don't sit there dragging yourself down deeper and deeper. If it, if the feeling isn't right, get out. No, yeah. no, the feeling is. I've you know talked to some hairdressers through throughout their careers and whatever. Uh, I'm with Mark twenty six years now. The reason being is he's as passionate about the work as I am. I work with Brian Murphy, who is an incredible hairdresser. I have a great team of of guys and girls around me that like contribute so much. Uh, to Kazumi, um, so you know what, I wake up for it. And, that, and... that leads us lovely into the next question. Okay, what do you feel makes an amazing stylist? Well, we have to start with the foundation of being able to work with clients, um, to be able to um, be able to talk to clients, to to guide them to the right places, even when they come in and they're looking for things that are like very unrealistic. I think an amazing hairdresser is the person who can draw them away from that and then show them a way where, which will be better and that they actually listen to you. I think that's an amazing thing. I think it's an amazing thing to go and watch a hairdresser and wonder how they done it and want to know why and to keep staring at it. I think that's an amazing hairdresser. I think a hairdresser that still has a curious mind and still wants to try things and that their ego is nurtured in a much better and positive way than in the bad way. Like there's a lot of bad ego in there where they think that the facade mm. is what it's all about. But when you don't see it coming from their hands and you don't see it in their hearts that much, it, it can turn you away from them. You know, at the end of the day, listen, we've copied loads of hair work through our life because that's what our foundation is. OK, so what happens is that in all our training, we are learning um, all the shapes and style and everything to do. OK, and, and, and we have to copy to repeat to repeat. But when you get to a level when you stop copying, and then you actually add your little bit to something. So that means then you're learning how to be inspired. So you inspire, like, so what you do is you see someone working and you go, wow, that's amazing. Now, 
if I had that and I put my little twist on it, yeah, yeah, it's gonna become my amazing. Rather, if you understand, yeah, because I've been to there's an awful lot of people, and it is a safety net for people because it's some way they're trained that it's very easy to copycat. It's very easy to see a magazine, see a shoot, and go, I'll do that for my salon and do exactly the same thing, right? You may execute it well. Have you created something different? Not really. All you've done is you've you've done that in a different room and or you know on a different piece of paper. Whereas what I love is I go and I see people like Robert Libetto. I was so curious. I wanted to know those shapes and those designs, like how he was getting that and his imagination in his head. You know, you take Sassoon, the structure of haircutting, like the way that was done was just like amazing, you know, uh, that he gave us our blueprint the majority of the time. Anybody else after that took their little bit from it, like the Trevor Sorbys and the, the Anthony Miscola. You know, they, you look at them and then you go, wow, that's how they done it. They added a little bit. So that's what I would feel. And I think it goes back to the original piece you said about Ali there, about not being the one yeah. big pony. Is, yeah. is, is having many, many, many tools in the toolbox that you can draw on. Whereas I, I think there's a tendency a little bit at the moment to latch on to, well, that's like, it's it's like with barbers. I said to barbers, well, you do, guys, young guys start wearing the hair long. That's not going to happen, Greg. Okay, right, fine. Uh, yeah. You know, younger people, long mermaid hair is in. Well, you do when people want their hair cut up again. So it's the opposite for the men, the women's is go. I know. No, no, I know. I, no, I'll never get my hair cut up. I'll never get my hair cut up. And and funny yeah. enough, as you know, Alison's a teacher. I walked through her class yesterday and herself and Olive, who works herself, are teaching. And it was a full room. And the first thing I looked around and I said to the whole room is, oh my God, look at the, all the long hair. Does nobody get their hair cut anymore? And I said, I thought this was a hairdresser's room, you know, because even though your hair is long, it's still cut. It still has a shape to it, it's still a structure. <laughs> Okay, I'll tell you something like, you know, uh, about me and hairdressing in the beginning. I'm, I'm sure when you met me as well, I went through all different shapes and sizes. I have very fine hair, but I've got a nice curl. I still have my natural color, going gray a little bit. It helps me. It makes me feel confident by having hair. There's days I can go, I could cut it short tomorrow, whatever. I just feel that it's good hair. Mm. The condition of my hair is very good. I look after my hair. I take vitamins. I do. So it's good hair. If a client came into me with my hair, of course, I'm going to keep it in our industry. OK, I don't mind them having their long hair as long as it's in good condition. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, OK. And as long as they if they don't want to change themselves, as long as they're changing people that are in their chair. But if they keep giving the people the same thing as what they have, you know, I'm going to lead into the next question then, which is, who do you admire inside or outside of the industry as a mentor or just inspiring? So obviously mine will go back because, it, you know, your foundation is inspiring. Like, you know, um, you know, I look around and people, there's very few people that kind of go, oh my God, that's amazing. And then, yeah, I would still go back, right? So like, you know, in the hairdressing end of it, I call them my trilogy. It's Cecil, Robert Libetto and um, Trevor. Yeah. I love Trevor Sobey's um, uh, detail with colour and his passion also to create. And he does a show, he does a show really well. 
So I learned an awful lot from those three about showmanship, creativity and discipline uh, of thing, you know. And then after that, when it came to fashion, because obviously it's one of my, my big passions too in the hair industry and when working with fashion um, was Guido and Sam McKnight. Sam McKnight is a beautiful hairdresser and he understands working with hair in all the elements. As much as Brian Murphy in my own salon had taught me how to work under circumstances of, you know, rain, wind, this, that, and the other, no power, power supply, how you can actually, you know, texture hair, using product to do it when you're in the elements and there's nothing else around you and you've only got God, well, yeah, my God, yeah. to, you know, and the elements. Um, so, like, they would be the people in, the wor- in that world. When it goes into the other world, Eileen Gray, an incredible uh, um, a designer of uh, interior and furniture, um, amazing, amazing kind of, she put a stamp on it as a woman in, from Ireland, you know, incredible. When you go and see her work up in uh, Collins's barracks, it's just beautiful. And then in the design level, right, it was like Yoji Yamamoto. He created ch- clothes that were like, um, origami like it was like yeah, all these yeah. incredible shapes and designs so when it came for me even to do a photo shoot and I had ideas in my heart, head I still have one of his amazing books that I would go back to reference because of the shapes that he had um, as Adina Laya amazing man as well he worked with body contour he worked with materials that was like a lycra that in gave this amazing shape to the woman's body. So it did show you as well, again, how to create amazing shape and still make it so feminine. You know, how to, so you had your structure with Yoji and then with, with him, you had this amazing form, you know, of roundness and, and couture. And then Chanel, like Chanel is like, you know, the one who used beautiful fabrics, using textured fabrics, and yet the design stood out. You could just stand and look at it and you just go, wow, the finish, amazing. So there were people in my kind of that outside of that. I kind of go, wow, that's what you want. That's what you want someone to kind of go back on and think about. Actually, yeah. there's, it's funny you should say that Chanel there because I was at an event there the other night there for Davinesque and Ashley Hodges was on and she was talking about Chanel. And she was saying that people should, you know, the real creative people don't have a fear of making mistakes. And Chanel number five came about from a perfumer making a mistake. Yeah. On, on, on a mixture. But when Chanel came in, the one that she liked best, that what she felt suited was the one number five. The one that, yeah. And that became Chanel number five. So <laughs> I think if you name all those people there, everybody looks at the end product and says, yeah. look how amazing that was. But it's yeah. the journey getting there and the amount of them that they've thrown on the floor <laughs> and pulled out <laughs> and held them. And that's what creativity is, yeah. isn't it? But if you look at it, look at it, look at how she evolved. Like she had, you know, clothes first, the feminine form, right? And how she wasn't, she wasn't just uh, like contouring totally the feminine. She was allowing certain shape. And then she added the essence of smell, you mm-hmm. know, and scent to to this to to bring it all alive so not only would you look at her her work and and it would make a, an impression on you but to smell that scent and make an impression on you you know 
she, she was a very clever lady. She's a clever lady. So yeah. moving on to our next question. What's your favourite, your, your go-to passion that you love doing when you sit in hairdressing? Your favourite part of the craft? Okay, Greg. Um, uh, when I was writing down my notes last night, okay, about this, uh, and this is what came to mind to me was, Greg, this would be like me asking you, what's your favourite child? You yeah. know? <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. I don't have any, just in case any of them are listening. <laughs> exactly. So the whole thing is, is that, you know, when you're kind of doing that thing where, you know, every part of it brings something to me. Okay. You know, I love my cutting. I love dressing hair. I love being able to put hair up. You know, I loved perming. I was a permist for a long time and I loved that. I love about color. I don't do as much color as I would have done before, mm. but I work with colorists to get out my ideas you know of it so it's kind of like i i have the love of color but not of the application of color from me just yeah yeah and um, this is where i'll tell you what i don't like in some not, not that i don't like anybody's kids or because i don't have my own but <laughs> what i what i don't like is and this will go back to something you said earlier is overkill of wand waving and straighten waving and all that type of thing at the moment, if I see another one of that coming up, as that's what our hairdressing industry has been for the last 10 years, is long hair with a wave in it like that, like a wand wave is the most, you know, that's that's all it is that they finish. It's way, it's, it's overkill. It's just done. They have to come up with something different. They have to, this is where the education will come in. I'd rather that. Uh, I don't get anything personally out of a big bouncy blow dry, big curly blow dry. Um, I feel so much effort is put into it in certain heads of hair because you know the majority of the heads of hair that want that come in and they have very thick head of hair. They have a, you know an unrealistic thing about because they can't do it themselves. They want you to do it, but mm. it takes so much time to do it. That's a personal thing. I know people who are amazing. I work with some great guys who put that on. For me, the result for the time. Yeah, yeah. I would, do it for me I would agree there. Yeah. I would agree. It doesn't do that for me. And then the other thing that I kind of pulled back from doing over the last few years is uh, bride's hair, wedding hair. Um, myself personally, I just kind of pulled away from it because, again, there were some unrealistic um, um, ideas of what could be done. And then, you know, and, and taking that responsibility when somebody is questioning your abilities and your stuff. Not, you know, I want to do it. I, of course, I'm going to do a brilliant job because, you know, I love what I do. But I don't like that feeling that I was getting from um, the feedback, you know, of mm. this is what I want. No, why can't I have it that way? Why can't I do it that way? And then you're trying, and you've built your whole career of wanting to do really, really good things for people. So, you know, I kind of went, um, but so, I, so there's the parts where my- You see, um, I think, I think well, it's interesting you say that because I remember Alison, like yourself, would be an all-rounder, loved him, and at one stage she's just said, stop booking him brides on a Saturday morning with me that aren't my guests or I don't have any contact with them other than I'm doing the hair work I said the relationship isn't there they don't understand what I want and they're taking up my time on a 
on the busy part of the day where my true guests can't get the appointment. And there was a exactly. time we would have been fearful of doing that. But I, I'm with my team in the salon. I'll tell me what you tell me what you're stronger. Tell me what you love doing. And yeah. that's where you build your clientele. That's where you exactly. build your guests. But it's the exactly. old days of you have yeah. to do everything. No, you don't. You know. And the thing is, it's not about refusing clients. You know, I think it's best mm-hmm. for the person themselves. It's a very important day for them. It really is an important. The importance for them in some people is overdone. Don't get me wrong. I have some really good clients and I would just tomorrow, if they're getting married tomorrow, I'm there for them. Okay. That's a, that's a, in a different way, but to doing it as a, as a, as a headline, you know, of a wedding hairdresser, you know, it's, it is that time. I would rather concentrate on doing the beautiful work of the clients that I love and adore. It's like when somebody books me in a, uh, a young girl for a Debs and I go okay I have never seen her hair I need to see the hair the trial because the expectation as well I don't want to let her down or disappoint her about and if she wants to come to me for a big curly bowl that's not going to be happening so you know I mean so there's a way about it it's not like yeah. I'm not doing that ever again I'm, I'm not that abrupt you know what I mean you know it is I, I, I think the bigger part of the hairdresser is to turn around and say there are people who specialize in doing this day in, day out. So bridal hairdressers that actually go to a hotel, that's their gig. You know oh what I mean? God, that's yeah. their gig. And I think that's that's fine. That's, but I think asking somebody that does what you do to be to to turn their game for two hours on a Saturday morning or wherever it is, isn't gonna work because it's not well, it, it, your gig. It, it, yeah, it's it's not saying. I'm bigger or better than that. It's no. it's it's come a choice. It's like me not working on a Saturday anymore. Mm. It's like I chose to do that after talking to Mark. I, I said, you know, we've got a really good team. Um, like my clients were, you know, I, 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 they can come at any time of the week. It, it, it just turned out there was a few that couldn't come on a Saturday, but I recommended somebody else in the salon. So we're not losing the clients. And if we lost them, that's unfortunate. But like, it, you know, I have to, I, I know I go in, on a Monday, on a Monday, I can be booked out as well as I could have been on a Saturday. So, like, but that was a choice after forty-five years of kind of going. You know what? I'd like to have a nice weekend, though. <laughs> you know, yeah, and so, because I I did notice I was wandering through town, had a little ramble there on Monday. The amount of salons now that close on a Monday, and I think with yeah. COVID and people in there, people are saying, "Well, if we just close a day, you might give us better." But the people, like I, Darren, that works for me. And I ran a path, and he says, Greg, I love walking Monday. Monday's yeah. the day. Give oh, me off. I love walking Monday, and I'm busy on Monday. And I have to admit, he's booked out every Monday. You know what I mean? But that's the thing is, Brian and myself and Sean work on a Monday. It's me and the two boys. And then, like, we have one of our assistants in. And um, it's so calm, and it's so wonderful. I always say to Mark, Mark, it's great on a Monday. <laughs> you know, him, right? But, um, no, it is. It's, it's just... We love the day and people are used to that. The people love that actually that they come in. Now, thankfully, we have a salon, like, as you know, we're four floors. Uh, so it never gets overcrowded, mm. you know. Um, but the people just love that kind of calmness and it works for me. Definitely. You know. So leading into your last question. OK, what would you like the future to hold for you in your career in the next 12 months and beyond? OK, first off. What I need to do is get, I have a lot of ideas in my head, which are like for photo shoots and shows and things like that. So I have to get them out because 
it's a little bit packed up there and it's just usually that's a little bit of timing and stuff like that and that um the right model the right um setup the right thing so i have to kind of work to get that out because it's too long and obviously because of COVID, we were kind of restricted so i can do that uh the other thing is to i want to see you know uh, our graduates you know get get further in the education i'm loving the young team that we have at the moment and uh you know i'd love to see i'd take pride to see them getting um to achieve some of their goals and help them along the way and then um the other thing is that i just still wake up every morning and do hair for now until i retire which i don't think i would be doing that too soon yeah, well, there's a lot more in you, Jenny. There's a lot more in you. You know, we're similar, similar age group in that. You and know, also, I, I want to, I want to actually do more collaborations. I spoke to a lot of hairdressers through different times, and obviously with timings and whatever. But I'd like to do more uh, collaborations. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be about your salon. You know, I think it would be nice for a lot more hairdressers to that have still got that passion, that need, and maybe you know from our vintage or from whatever to get together and actually to do something because you know I think it would just it's it's good for to have that support of each other because um they don't seem to want to do as much as that as a as a young unit there's not many of them like what we would have done form teams I mean I remember the days I would have gone around Ireland with like you know uh, Shay Dempsey and Paul Hessian and Susan Brown and like you know we made up teams myself and Stephen Kelly would do like some seminars Stephen who's amazing right at uh, dressing hair and myself and him we used to call ourselves itchy and scratchy and we'd go and we do this like little show together and you know but I'd love to do more of that like you know I just think that um yeah there's a there's a need for that but like, like, funny enough, like since lockdown, there hasn't been, there hadn't been anything other than Zooms, and which have our place. We're doing one now. It's great. Uh, you know, we yeah. didn't have to drag ourselves, meet somewhere. We're on a day off, and we're able to juggle around. But the physical, like, I went to an event on Monday, Davines. That was a hair event. Now, yeah, yeah. it was great. The people that were there were great, and basically, what they did put out is, um, we'd like the next one to have Irish talent on it because the people come out from the UK. And, yeah. and I would agree that we've so much talent here. There should be the Irish talent on the stage. I was at the Forest event, which wasn't, it was a gathering of hairdressing salon owners and beauticians. So it wasn't, it was a lovely event, but no hair. And I yeah. think we need to get back to being in that room, the buzz, the, the, your younger hair looking around at other people in the room, the, aspiring to be there, meeting them at the bar, getting to chat to them, get to meet them. So I think there is where you we did discuss this off camera and, and off air. And I think yeah, there is no, a place for it, but we just have to rethink because I no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I use this going here and have something that I'll talk to you after, you know. No, but what I was gonna to say to you, Greg, you know, one of the things that you were saying about like, you know, the energy and the time mm. or whatever, okay. I think if we do it as a team, if we were each to just bring one model, focus on one model and focus on it well, and we had a team of six people bringing one model to the table. That's a great collection. That is a brilliant collection of work. It's a very interesting, to talk about one, to put everything into that, won't take an awful lot of energy out of us. We're not on our Zimmer frames yet, 
no, okay. no. I, okay. I, so I do. Feel... Just came to me there, and we'll talk about it off yeah. camera because yeah. I yeah. definitely I, I'm on board for anything yeah. that brings people together yeah. within the industry yeah. and not over the Zoom because I yeah. feel we need to do it for the generations coming through. They don't probably realize they need it and what they're missing out on. But once they start getting a taste of it, they will want to be there themselves. You know, yeah, we don't want to be Instagram famous and, yeah. and not reality. That because, as they say, people are struggling now with the mental health because they're, they're, they're looking at Instagram and looking at this. Well, let's get back to meeting people and realize well, that, that the that, everyday person it, it, like you is just a normal person. You know, yeah, and the thing is, if we do it right, and, and if we do this right, we can nearly have a mentor um, set up where we can take someone in and we can nurture them to do the next generation of it. So, like, you know, let's start somewhere. That's all I want. Anyway. That's it. Okay. So, listen, it's been amazing, Jenny. I really, uh, really you. appreciate you giving you, up your valuable time, you know, because no, when we get to a certain age, we realize right. time is the thing. But we're taking time out to talk about what your life you're in the, what you've spent most of your time doing. I always think yeah. it's well worth giving the person the opportunity because I think you need to be recognised for being a role model for other people within the industry. So, you. if you have anything you. that you'd like to say before we head, oh, listen, Greg. You know what? I just want everybody. You know, I mean, think about uh, their career as an adventure. Stop thinking about it as hard work. It's not hard work when you look. The superhero adventures, huh? Adventures of superheroes. Absolutely. <laughs> so everybody out there in Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters, please, if you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share with fellow Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters or beyond because we're an open industry and I think we can be an inspiration for anybody out there. Um, uh, we're always voted as the people who enjoy their job most. So go out there, enjoy doing what you do and be the role model that you can be to future generations. So from Greg Clark here in Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters and Jenny Crawford, may the hair force be with you and take care. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe. And if you've enjoyed it, why not like, comment and share with other like-minded Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters around the globe. Thank you.